Okay, good evening everyone. We're glad you're here tonight. We're going to begin on page 7. We're going to finish up just some things I want to go over on page 7. And then from there we're going to jump to page 9. So we'll go from page 7 to page 9 where we're going to be tonight. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the fact that you've revealed things in your scriptures that you want us to know. We certainly know this is a very serious doctrine that you've put in your word, Lord. There's none more serious than hell. And I pray that as we explore what your word teaches on the subject, that the Spirit of God would work in our minds and hearts, perhaps in burdening us with a responsibility to communicate the truth that there's a way of escape from this place. And also for those that listen who perhaps are without the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would realize this is a very real place and we don't want to ever go there and they'll believe on the Lord and be saved. We thank you for this time tonight. We pray your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. We had a couple of questions that were asked last time we were together. We're going to answer one of them tonight. What about if it's fire, how could it be dark? Well, Anna did some research online, and she came to a description about house fires, and I'll just read what they write about it. Fire is dark. Fire starts bright but quickly produces black smoke and complete darkness. So it would be very feasible for there to be fire burning and have it be totally dark. Now the question that we want to finish up tonight, and I want to really reinforce this, is the question of does the Bible teach that hell is a real place? I think we've already established it does, but I want to go back to the finale of the references that we have. And I want to start with one of the most significant proofs that hell is a real place, and it would be Luke 16.28. Luke 16.28. So I would like you to go to Luke 16.28, and I want to have us look at this because the word place is actually used. And we can determine based on its usage and based on how Luke uses the word that this is a very, very real place. Because people who discuss hell think, oh, it's just an idea, it's a concept, it's a metaphorical picture of something. No, this is a real place. And you'll notice what we read in Luke 16, 28, For I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Now, I just want to point out a couple of grammatical things there before we make our conclusions. First of all, the idea, so they will not come also to, is into. It's that ice preposition, so you're out of something and you can go into this. It actually reads into the place, the place this, the this place of torment. So by just the grammar that's used there, we would say there is a place that is a real legitimate place where there is torment. We'll spend a lot of time going through that text, Lord willing, probably next week. Now, the question that would come then would be, all right, he uses the noun place. The Lord Jesus uses the noun place in the verse. He calls it a place. So this is written by Luke in his gospel. So when Luke uses that word place, a logical question for us to ask would be, is it a real place? Could you pinpoint this is a very real place? Well, let's go back to where Luke uses it. Let's go back to chapter 10 in Luke's writing. 
We'll start at verse 1. Now, the Lord Jesus is in the process of sending out his disciples. And he says in verse 1, Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Now, there's your word place, the same word that's used in Luke 16. And you would look at that and you'd say, Wow, it does seem to suggest it's a real place. He's sending his disciples in every city and every place where he himself was going to come. In the same chapter, look down to verse 32. And this was the Levite when he came to the place and saw him. He passed by on the other side. This, of course, is the Good Samaritan story. But when the Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him. So here's a guy who's in a place And the Levite goes by and sees him in the place. It's a real place. You just have to draw that conclusion. So if we base our conclusions on what is actually written in the scriptures, not base it on theories of men, we would have to conclude when the Lord Jesus says that there is a place where people go that is a place of torment and fire, it is very real. It is a very real place. It's an actual place where people are. Now, let's go to James chapter 3 and verse 6. James chapter 3 and verse 6. And in James chapter 3 and verse 6, we read, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Now, there's just a lot of information in there. The fact that the tongue can be hellish and used to actually communicate things that will put people in hell. But what we would see here, clearly from James 3 6, is that there is a hell, and what's connected to hell is fire. I mean, you can't help but observe that when you read that text. I mean, it actually is talking about fire, and it's talking about hell, and it's talking about tongue, and I think it is certainly implying that the tongue can be used in a hellish way. It can actually be used to communicate things that would not be true, that would actually end up putting people in hell. I think that's part of the application. I want you to go to Jude, verse 13. And you'll notice in verse 13, he's talking about these people that were a bunch of religious frauds. He says in verse 13, wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Now, it is obvious that Jude is recording here, there is a place of black darkness where these people who are unbelievers can go and they will be in that place forever. I mean, that's what he's saying there. And if we compare that to all the other statements that we've gone through so far, we'd have to say, well, this is a real place that does exist. Then in Revelation chapter 1, we've already kind of looked at that, but let's just go through a few there. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Lord Jesus says, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. And by saying he has the keys of death and Hades, we know death is real. And Christ is saying, I control that. And then we can assume Hades must be real because he has the keys to that. So both of those things would indicate this is a real place. In John chapter 9, verse 2, we read, he opened the bottomless pit And a smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Now this is a bottomless pit that was at this point containing angels that are released. We saw that demons that are released. 
But what we learn about this pit here is it's a bottomless pit. It is a pit that features fire because there's smoke coming out of like a great furnace. And we also realize it's dark because that is brought out in that text. So we can assume all of that. In Revelation 14 and verse 10, Revelation 14 and verse 10, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. So John actually said, I saw this torment place of fire and brimstone where one goes and they burn there forever and ever. And he particularly adds that to there. They are there forever and ever and they're not going to get out of there once they're in this place. Then if you go to Revelation 20 verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding the keys of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. We're going to talk about that abyss. But what I do want you to just observe from this is that this angel has a key to it, implying it is a real place. And obviously, it's a place, if you go, it's a place of imprisonment because you have chains that are used there to describe it. In Revelation chapter 20, look down to verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. So Jesus throws all unbelievers at this point into the lake of fire. And then in chapter 21, verse 8, for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, what happens right now when a person dies who's an unbeliever, they go to this place that is known by several titles. We call it hell. We're going to look at different names for it, but Hades is one of them. And they go to this place right now. It's a horrible place. But that's not the final hell. We could say that's a hellish place where people are burning. They're in torment and torture when they're there now. But then they're going to face Jesus Christ one time at that great white throne judgment. And then from that point, they're cast into the eternal lake of fire. So based on all of those references that we've studied in the last couple of weeks, we would have to assume that Hell is a very real place. You would have to be very delusional to analyze those things that we have looked at and then say, well, it must not be a real place. It is a real place. You have to conclude that. That's what the Bible reveals. And just as the Bible reveals heaven is a real place, so it also does hell. Now that brings us to our seventh question on page nine. What are the different words that are used in the Bible that actually refer to hell? The English word hell is a word that has been used to describe a place where souls go when they die that are not in a right relationship with God. They go there because of their sin and evil. They have not come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a place of punitive punishment that is a place of fiery torture and torment. That's the way it's described. And we're going to look at some graphic descriptions of it as we go through it. The old English word hell was first used around 8725. It does not actually occur in the Old Testament or New Testament, but the concept of hell 
is actually derived and developed and supported by different words and passages that are in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are different words that are used in the Bible to describe this place, and these different words that are used in the Bible are there that describe what hell is like. Now, the English word hell was often used in the King James Bible some 31 times as a replacement for the actual words that are used in the Hebrew and the Greek text. Most of the time, the New American Standard will translate the word as it really is, but it does, in rare instances, also substitute the noun hell. For example, in Matthew 5.22, the Greek literally reads, into the Gehenna of fire, and the New American Standard translates it into the fiery hell. Now, there are nine different words in the Old and the New Testament that are used to describe this place. We want to look at the words proper tonight. The first word is the Old Testament word sheol, S-H-E-O-L, sheol. Now, this is a word that always describes a place where the souls of dead people go. It always describes that. The actual Hebrew word sheol means a hollow subterranean place. The word sheol is used about 65 times in the Old Testament. It's translated into various English words, especially by the King James Bible. The King James Bible translates the word sheol by the word hell 31 times, grave 31 times, and pit three times. A good working definition of what Sheol is, is Sheol is the name of a subterranean Old Testament place of post-mortem existence for all people who died, both believer and unbeliever. It's a subterranean place, apparently comprised of two chambers. There is an upper chamber and a lower chamber. The upper chamber is a place of comfort. It's also renamed, and we'll see it later, Abraham's Bosom. And the lower chamber is a place of torment. Now we base that on the scriptures, what the scriptures reveal to us about Sheol. And if we track the use of the word, we can observe the following. Sheol refers to a place a dead person goes when he dies. Let's go to the book of Job and let's go to chapter 17, Job 17. Now, Job is basically talking about the fact that he's going through all the horrible things he's going through. And he says in verse 13, If I look for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in darkness. If I call to the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister, where now is my hope? So he refers to Sheol as a place that he would go when he dies. Flip over in the same book to chapter 26, chapter 26, and notice verse 5. The departed spirits tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. Naked is Sheol before him, and Abaddon has no covering. So it's obviously when a spirit, the immaterial part of a person, leaves the material part of a person, Sheol was the place where they went. That's where the soul went, the immaterial part of a person, the soul and the spirit. As we've pointed out multiple times, the Bible's pretty clear on this. A person is tripartite. You're made of three parts. You have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit. And death is the moment that that immaterial part of you, the soul and spirit, leaves the body. The body's still here. The soul and spirit are gone. And in the Old Testament economy, Sheol was the place where that spirit went. If a person were a believer, they went to the upper chamber area region. We'll see it in a minute which would be the place of comfort if the person were not a believer. They went to the lower chamber region of Sheol, and that was a place of torment. Now let's go over to Psalm chapter 6 and verse 5. 
Psalm chapter 6 and verse 5. And you'll notice we read in Psalm 6, 5, For there is no mention of you in death in Sheol who will give you thanks. So it's a place where somebody goes when they die. That was the place that was talked about in the Old Testament. I'm going to go to Sheol. That's where we go when we die. It's like we as believers say we're going to go to heaven when we die, which we are going to go because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Psalm 16.10. Psalm 16.10. This will get interesting when we come back to this a little later. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Now, The thing I'll point out for just a second here out of verse 10 is that there does seem to be the implication that, well, there is the implication there that a person who is abandoned to some part of Sheol is only going to be there temporarily. They're not there forever. There's a compartment to Sheol where someone in Sheol is not going to be in that place forever, which then coincides with the understanding that we have of what would happen when the Lord Jesus Christ would go to the cross, what would happen at the resurrection when the nation Israel is raised up to inherit a kingdom. There is a portion of Sheol where people are not going to be there forever. We will suggest that portion of Sheol where they're not going to be there forever is the Abraham's bosom side, because those that are in the Abraham's bosom side have a wonderful future in store for them, and it's not going to be they're going to be burning in the part of Sheol that would be known as Hades. I want to take you to just a couple of more references here. Let's go to, well, as long as we're open to the Psalm area, let's go back to Job chapter 7. Job chapter 7. And I want you to notice verse 9, because once a person goes to Sheol, you don't get out. Okay? In Job chapter 7 verse 9, when a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. So once a person dies and they go to Sheol, they're not coming out of there. And then I want to go to Isaiah. I want to go to two passages in Isaiah. The first one I want you to go to is Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 14. And here's an interesting statement about Sheol. In Isaiah 5 14, therefore Sheol has enlarged its throat and opened its mouth without measure. Apparently, this place is a very large place It's a place that's so large you can't measure it. And I would suspect that's true for the upper region and also the lower part of Sheol. It's a massive place. I mean, if you think right now, if we think of all of the unbelievers that are in the lower sphere of this place, that are burning right now in this place, it has to be a massive, massive place that would house that type of number. Then, as long as we're open to Isaiah, I want you to go to Isaiah 38, And verse 10, I said in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol. I'm to be deprived of the rest of my years. Now, the inference there is, of course, you go into this place when your life's over on earth. They would go there. But I want to point out, it is apparently a place with gates, which will coincide with exactly what we learn from New Testament doctrine as it further develops the idea of hell and the Lord Jesus Christ who has the keys of death and Hades. So this place of Sheol is a place where a person goes when they die. Now the second observation we want to make about Sheol is Sheol refers to a place where all dead people go, both believer and unbeliever. So context becomes important. For example, 
In Genesis 37, in fact, we'll just go there. I have a lot of references there that refer to Jacob. But in Genesis 37, we'll just go to 1. In verse 35, we read in Genesis 37, 35, Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Now this is when he learned that Joseph was gone and figured he was dead. And he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Now Jacob is one of the great patriarchs of the Bible. I mean, he's one of the big names of the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And obviously, Jacob is assuming that when I die, and he refers to that multiple times in the book of Genesis, he believed that Sheol would be a place where he would go when he would die. But when you go to the book of Numbers chapter 16, you have Korah and Dathan and Abiram, and they went there actually before they died. Flip over to Numbers 16, if you would, please. Numbers chapter 16. Number 16, and you'll notice in verse 30, we read, But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing, the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up, and all that is theirs, and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have spurned the Lord. Verse 33, so they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol. Now, God literally put them in this place of eternity even before they physically died. Most people to get into Sheol have to physically die. But here was a case where God sent a judgment against these people who'd done evil. He opened up the ground and he took them right there. It was a place that Job wanted to go. In Job 14, 13, that's where he wanted to go when he was going through such horrible things. He said, I just am desiring to go in Sheol. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Because this is an important text that we just don't want to miss. In Proverbs chapter 9. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Now, this is talking about a wicked person who's a fool who just lives life contrary to the things of the Lord. They're not in a right relationship with God. He has no concept that when he dies, he's going to a place that would be called the depths of Sheol. Notice that, the depths of Sheol. That's critical. Because what that tells us is there's a place for people who are unbelievers and fools that are not in the upper level of Sheol, they're in the depths of Sheol, and that's where the torment place is. That's the torment place of fire. Now, the third observation we want to make about Sheol is it refers to a place where the believer's soul exists that will be delivered by the Lord. We kind of referred to that in that Psalm 16 text, Psalm 16, 9 to 11. But I do want you to go to Psalm 49, if you would, Psalm 49. I know we're covering a lot of Bible verses, but we're building our whole doctrine based on what the Bible teaches. That's the problem. We're building it on the Bible. We're not building it on man's philosophies or opinions. In Psalm 49 and verse 15, we read, But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Now, what we learn from that, in fact, he adds the Selah there. Stop and think about it. Pause and give careful thought to this. God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. What we would learn from this is there apparently is a side to Sheol that could expect that at some point there will be a redemption where God himself will redeem people out of this place 
and take them to a new residency, as it were. And that is true. That's consistent with what the Bible teaches about what will happen to believers in that their soul will be delivered. And in the Old Testament economy, when they died, they went to this place of Sheol. The Sheol contained an upper level and a lower level. The upper level was Abraham's bosom side. It was a place of comfort. It obviously is a massive place. And the lower place is the place of torment and torture. And we'll see it when we go through Luke, maybe next Wednesday night, maybe not. But what we'll discover is that the people in the upper side of that are going to not be in that place forever. They're going to be as it were, brought out of that place in their own resurrection and have a wonderful existence for a thousand years in a kingdom that will be reigned by the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they will go into the new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. Now, just the statement that is made there in Psalm 49:15, the Lord will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me, indicates, wow, apparently there are those in Sheol who are going to get out of there. And that's exactly right. There are those in Sheol who are going to get out of it. If they're in the Abraham's bosom side, they're going to get out of there. If they're not in the Abraham's bosom side, they're not going to be out of there. Now, also, fourthly, Sheol refers to the deepest part of a place where a soul is that's been cut off from God. This part of Sheol is dark and deep, upon which rests God's wrath. And those that are there, they're alone, they're cut off from any access to God. And I'm going to take you to two references, and then we're going to have to close out tonight because we're already over time. But I want you to go to Psalm 88. Psalm 88. And I want you to notice verse 3. For my soul has had enough trouble, and my life has drawn near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I have become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in a grave, whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the lowest pit in dark places in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. Selah. Now, this is a statement of what things are like for those that are in that pit of Sheol, that dark place. Now, go back to Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10. And verse 21. Job 10, 21. Before I go... And I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow. The land of utter gloom is darkness itself, of deep shadow without order, and which shines as the darkness. It is a very, very dark, dark place. And then I want to go to a fifth one. I'll go a little over tonight. Sheol is a place where sinners and wicked enemies of God go. When they die, it's the wicked enemies of God. They go there when they die. I'd like you to go to Job 24. In verse 19, Job 24 and verse 19. Drought and heat consume the snow water, so does Sheol those who have sinned. Sheol is a place for those who have sinned, who refuse to deal with their sin, face their sin, have their sin forgiven in a right relationship with God. I want you to go to Psalm 9, Psalm chapter 9. And notice carefully verse 17 of Psalm 9, 17. The wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. That's where they're headed. The wicked people are headed to Sheol. And then Psalm 31 and verse 17. Psalm 31, 17. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. 
Now, when we die as a New Testament believer today, we're instantly with the Lord. As Paul develops the doctrine of grace in the New Testament, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's what death is for a believer in Jesus Christ. They leave their body and go to be with the Lord. All right. But in this Old Testament economy, before Christ had gone to the cross and made that possible, they didn't. They went to this Sheol place. And the shield place is a place that has, as we mentioned, two compartments. We'll get into that a little more next Wednesday night, Lord willing. The upper chamber, the lower chamber. The upper chamber is where the believers went. Apparently, is a great place of comfort and people are there that know each other. We'll discuss that. But that other place, that's the lower level, is a place of horrible torture pain that is so painful that a drop of water on the tip of a finger would actually help ease the pain a little bit for somebody that's burning in that place. So it is described as a very real place. I realize we have gone through a hodgepodge of text of Scripture tonight, but we are forming accurate conclusions about this place. And what we must say to all those who would be interested in what does the Bible say about this is the Bible does teach hell is a very real place in both the Old Testament economy and certainly as we'll see in the New Testament economy. And it's a place that one does not have to go to. If they simply will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust Christ as Savior, they can escape this place. But if they don't, if they don't, this is the description of where they're going to end up. Well, our time is gone tonight. Any questions about what we've covered tonight? Yes. Yes, yes. Why would he want to go? Yeah, he wouldn't want to go there. He wanted to go to the upper chamber of Sheol. That's correct. Yes. Um, so, for unbelievers, either Old or New Testament, they won't meet Christ until the Great White Throne Judgment. That's correct. So what's the process for them to go to the lower chamber? And are they aware of why they are there? Yes, they are. Uh, and when we go through that text in Luke, it's an instant process. They're there. The moment they leave their body, that's where they are. There's no getting out of it. There's no turning from it. Once you're there, you didn't respond to what you should have responded to. So it's an eternal place of sentencing. And are they, so they, they, they know they're there because they rejected God? Yes, they do. In fact, the rich man says to Abraham, he says, send somebody back that could tell my brother, I don't want him coming to this place. Please send somebody. He goes, no, they have the law, they have Moses and the prophets. And what he meant by that is they have the word of God, the word of God, Moses shows the law, shows that all people are sinners. And they have the prophets that would predict one would come who would be wounded for the transgressions and take away the sin. They have that. And if they don't respond to that, they wouldn't respond even if we sent a dead person back. Yes. So is there still anyone in the upper chamber of Sheol? Or yes, I believe received, there is. They were not received when Jesus died on the cross? That's a debatable issue, but I believe there are. In fact, I believe all believing national Israel is still there because they have their own special resurrection, which is not the rapture resurrection. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Daniel speaks of a resurrection of his people, that would bring all of them there. So I think that Old Testament Israel is still enjoying the happiness that's in the upper chamber of Sheol. Plus they have all those promises fulfilled to them, yes. which happens in the thousand-year millennium. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yes? It said in one part that once you go to Sheol, you'll never come out. But then in that other part, it said God can still redeem you and bring you out. That's correct. And that is a, that's for the believer. 
The unbeliever, that's not for them. It's for the believer. So the, the one that said you'll never come out is for the unbeliever? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Well, good group tonight. Thanks for coming. we got great great services. Communion Sunday. Hey, sign up for sandwich night. we got that. Good text in Romans. Great text in Nahum. We'll see you. Good night.